live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start with the NBA? Why don't we start with the fact that there were three NBA playoff games last night, but that's not what everybody's talking about. Nope. Instead, everybody's talking about the stomp heard around the world. I should not be surprised that this topic jumped today, considering the crazy air that Draymond was able to get off of DeMontis Sabonis. Jumped a day. Looked like my man jumped a year or a millennium. It was like my dude hit a slam ball trampoline all the way to outer space. I got to be honest, I found the whole thing pretty hilarious. In fact, if I'm being honest, I still find it pretty hilarious. But you know who's not amused? Commissioner Ears. Adam Silver. And the league office, apparently not amused at all. And the real reason the story jumped today and leads today is because Ears and the rest of the suits decided to suspend Draymond for Game 3 tomorrow night. Which is a pretty freaking big deal for the Dubs, right? Considering their season is on the line tomorrow night. And the Steph, Clay, Draymond golden era of Golden State Hoops might be also on the line tomorrow night. Which is to say, there is a hell of a lot on the line tomorrow night. And the Warriors are going to have to go and find a way and do it without Draymond. So if you're expecting me to call this an overreaction and a mistake by the league, then you would be expecting correctly. Because this is an overreaction and a mistake by the league. I hate that suspension. I barely even understand that suspension. Look, I understand this. He stomped a dude. You can't stomp dudes. Even if those dudes are lying on the ground, hanging onto your leg, and basically begging for it, you still can't do it. Which is why I was fine with the ejection. He was tossed in a critical part of a critical game, and then the dubs went on to lose that critical game. Sounds like a harsh enough punishment to me. This punishment... An entire extra game with him on the sidelines does not fit that crime. This punishment does not fit that crime. Everybody knows it, too, which is why there's all this other nonsense surrounding the situation. Like this line from the league statement announcing the suspension. Quote, the suspension was based in part on Green's history of unsportsmanlike acts. End of quote. Vague Much? But why, though? Why would he be suspended in this series for anything other than what he's done in this series? It's goofy as hell to be suspending this dude for some crotch shot from 2017 or some double tech that he picked up in the bubble or something. I mean, it makes no sense at all. And it makes even less sense that somehow Draymond got burned because Commissioner Ears was in the building on Monday night. What, so because Adam Silver experienced that incident in person, the punishment is harsher? Or because Draymond riled up the crowd after his ejection in front of the commissioner, somehow that means he's now suspended? Like if the commissioner were at another game or at home in New York, it wouldn't have been like that? But because he saw it firsthand, therefore he's got the right or the mandate to suspend him? Riling up the crowd made it worse? Riling up the crowd is now a suspension worthy 
of that offense riling up the crowd. Are we just going to make all this bleep up as we go? I mean, amazing news for the Kings, though. I just hope that Sabonis will be able to play after having his sternum turned into a trampoline. I mean, the guy looked totally fine to me. Because just after the Draymond suspension was announced, the Kings had their own announcement, which makes this circus even more wild. That apparently he is now questionable for Game 3 with a, quote, sternum contusion. End of quote. Again, I'm no doctor. I'm not even going to try and play one on TV or radio. And I didn't get to look at those x-rays. And even if I did, I probably couldn't read them anyway. But that's got to be some sort of crazy troll job, right? Like the most obvious of troll jobs. A bruised sternum? A sternum contusion? Psst, please. Please. This dude was up chest bumping teammates after Draymond got run. In fact, how do we know for certain that this so-called sternum contusion came from the stomp and not from chest bumping his teammates? And now you're going to tell me that this dude is questionable for game three. The hell he is. Come on with that. Get the hell out of here with that crap. He's questionable. Come on. This dude's playing tomorrow night. Book it. And if he's not some innocent victim here either, right? I mean, I hate to be the he started it guy, but he started it. He grabbed on Draymond's leg while he was lying on the ground. Like I said yesterday, that's a scenario that if there ever was one, is only going to end one way, that way. If you do that, you know exactly what you're doing and exactly how it's going to go. So if you want to tell me that, yeah, well, it worked. The guy successfully baited Draymond. Fine. I'm not going to deny that. I'll even agree with that. If you want to tell me that Draymond cannot put himself in this position where it's even possible for him to miss any time in the series, I'm not even going to deny that, right? I mean, you don't want to put them in a position where they can say things like, well, the commissioner saw it firsthand. Well, the commissioner was there and saw you rile up the crowd. I mean, to me, that's all garbage. But don't give them a reason. Draymond's got to know that. However, and I'll, I'll own all that. However, don't tell me this was some sort of egregious act by Draymond that deserves a game suspension in a playoff series. Like, Sabonis was just minding his own business, not bothering anybody at all, and then Draymond ran up on him and started to stomp him to death. Stop acting like that's what that was. That's not what that was. He does not deserve a suspension in a playoff game in a playoff series, in a game that's suddenly incredibly important. But don't take it from me. Take it from the guy who got stomped himself, who said this seconds after the game ended on Monday night. Do you have any animosity about what happened there? Well, no, you know, we're both fighting for the rebound. You know, we found each other. Stuff happened. It's basketball. We got to move on next play. Right. It's basketball. I agree with that take. It was a scrap. It's basketball. It happens. You've got to move on to the next play. And now all of a sudden this guy's questionable. The stomp plus the super bounce. I mean, I'll give you this. It wasn't optic. It certainly wasn't optic. 
So again, I understand why they ran him from the game. I understand why they tossed him from the game. I mean, you might even argue that that was an overreaction. But I'm fine with them running him from the game. They both got tees. What I don't understand is why anything above and beyond that punishment needs to extend into another game. And I understand even less what the past has to do with it or what ears being in attendance on Monday has to do with it. But here we are. Here the bleep we are. Here we are. In a literally unprecedented scenario for the Dubs. They have to now try to save themselves from their first ever 2-0 series hole as a group, and they're going to have to do it without one of the pillars of that group. Bottom line, NBA history, legacy, and entire era is on era, era, era. See? Even I'm doing it. Era, era. Thank you, Albie. No, I mean, there is an era, a dynasty, NBA history, on the line tomorrow night in the Bay. Draymond should be on the floor for it. Because even with that rap sheet, even with his rap sheet, this punishment to me does not fit this crime. They ran him at a critical time, in a critical game. They lost that critical game. They're down two games to none. That should have been enough. I mean, isn't it bad enough that the Stars don't play during the regular season without you just kind of arbitrarily taking them off the floor during the postseason? Because the commissioner was there to see it? Makes no sense to me at all. And as I said yesterday, Kings fan, I know you're celebrating that fact, but don't you want to beat these guys straight up? And by the way, you don't need help from the league office. You're up two games to none right now. They've already got to beat you four times in five games with the guy. Well, not now they don't. But you already look like the better team. You already are playing better basketball. You already are outclassing them, outplaying them, outcoaching them, outdefending them. Younger, more energetic, everything. I'm not about that. 1-800-636-8686. So where do you come out on this? Makes no sense to me if I haven't been clear about that already. All right, so in addition to that, we can't talk about the actual games. Certainly want to get into that. There were matchups. There are more matchups. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. He joins us via Zoom. Jeffrey Simmons is my guest. Jeffrey, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Blessed. Um, happy to be on with you guys. And um, like I said, I'm blessed. Um, you know, I'm happy for to be able to be um, in Tennessee for another four years. And you know, um, it's just been good. You know, I've just been my last couple of years in Tennessee been wonderful. So. I for sure wanted to stay here in Tennessee. My man, I love that energy. I love hearing that from you. I was going to say, when they announced the deal, you were so emotional and it was real and it was raw. Honestly, I thought it was pretty much a beautiful thing. What types of things were going through you in that moment? And what does that deal represent to you? Um, You know, I talked about it. I talked about it at the press conference. You know, when you, we talk about like 
just the um, things that, especially playing this game of football, you know, us athletes understand that, you know, it takes a lot to get it to this point. Um, and, you know, it started for me, you know, with my mom, you know, raising the five kids and, you know, the, where I got brought up on, you know, it's like, you know, I was the man of the house. I had to learn how to be the man in the house early. So um, that's the foundation, you know, when you build a foundation, you know, and you understand everything that you work for, um, you know, I think that's what make you work even harder. You know, you always tell yourself the job not done. And, you know, um, just being able to, um, you know, come to an agreement with the Tigers and, and um, we both kind of came to that agreement. We understand that, you know, we have so much work to do. And, um, you know, I always go by, like, no matter what may happen, no matter how much money in this world, you know, I would never change. Um, and I wanted the to, to guys to understand, especially even the organization that, you know, the way I play, the way um, I uh, approach the game of football is because, you know, how much I love the game of football. Um, you know, of course, um, when you love the game of football, the way I do, um, love the game of football, everything else takes care of itself. That's, you know, the way you play, um, your preparation, all that lead up to the way you play and, you know, um, just the way I've been committed to this organization and, and perform, you know, that's that led to the contract. So um, I think, you know, I'm, I think um, especially Miss Amy, you know, when I first got drafted here, you know, she believed in me. This organization believed in me. And my goal was to never let them down. And, you know, um, we're here now with, you know, extension. We're talking to Jeffrey Simmons. You mentioned there's a lot of good stuff in that answer I could react to. You mentioned Miss Amy. That's Amy Adams-Strunk. She's the Titans controlling owner. She had said to you during the season at one point, hey, listen, don't worry about this. It's all going to work itself out. It's all going to be fine. How did it feel to you to hear that from her at that point? What did that mean to you? No, it felt good, um, especially, you know, um, with all the things that would happen in Tennessee. You know, we – um, the, I mean, we were losing and, and that's, that's when, um, you know, the guy who drafted me was, uh, John Robinson. That's when he got let go. It was just a lot happening. And, and like, you know, you get frustrated, um, things happening like, man, we can't win a game. You know, what if, what, what if, you know, that's all you could think about at that moment. Like, what if, but also just still trying to focus on your game. But, you know, I was, was, um, after practice one day, I walked in the cafeteria and I saw her and, and when she said that, you know, it was like a sigh of relief, you know, um, one of the things where, all right, you know, let's just focus on the game of football. Let's get through this season. You know, let's get to where we want to get to because we still had a chance at that time. So I guess I can't remember exactly what week it was, but just to hear that from her, you know, because she is the one that made a lot of the big decisions. You know, of course, the GM have to, you know, do some of the work, but I think it's come down to the owner uh, saying yes to a lot of um, a lot of them things. So. Just to hear that from her, you know, I was at ease. Jeffrey, let me ask you something. You mentioned that you get to a point where it's frustrating. We can't find a way to win a game. It feels like we're never going to win another game. I mean, clearly the season did not play out the way that anybody wanted it to when you lost your last seven games. It's during times of adversity, right? The teams either pull together or they rip apart. I understand there was frustration, but did you see any finger pointing during that losing streak? What was the vibe like inside the facility in the locker room when things got really tough last year? Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, not one time did, you know, we point fingers. I think we were trying to get closer as a team, especially with all the injuries we were having. I think that's when we were trying to pull together because, you know, um, we were signing guys on a Wednesday that had to play on a Sunday. We were signing guys on a 
Friday sometimes had to play on a Sunday. So we have to get them guys to understand the way we wanted to play the game of football and here in Tennessee. We had to get them guys on board quick. But um, I will say, man, I think that's where, and when I talk about the foundation and the culture, you know, that that started Monday for us in here in Tennessee um, with OTAs. And, and um, Coach Ray talked about it. Like, when we're trying to build a foundation, it starts now, um, not wait until the season starts. It's always – it's the offseason when you get around guys, you know, who knows? It's a lot – the team – the whole team may be there, which not – you know, we know we know it's not possible, but a lot of these guys that go through these this phase uh, or OTAs and they get to camp, they're going to be with us during the season. So – and um, I'm a firm believer this winning foundation is built – so when the time do get tough, we could rely back onto what we built um, this whole time starting now. Jeffrey Simmons joining us. I'm glad you mentioned your coach. I was going to ask you about Mike Vrabel. This right here, Jeffrey, is a big Mike Vrabel house. I love the guy. I know that he wants to win as badly as anybody. As the guy who was charged with, it's his job to lead from the front, how did he handle that losing streak? Because you know when things get tough, everybody looks to the leader. What was he like when things were tough and adversity hit? You know, I would. I think that's why I appreciate so much about Brave. Um, just the way he approached if we win or losing, it never changed. You know, he it, it's. You know, of course, the coaching was got, got a little tougher because I mean, we we did need to clean up the small details. I mean, that just if you win or losing. But man, I, I would say the comforting and Coach Brave and us. The um, I, I think he really believed in us to get the job done. You know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, leadership is from within. Um, you know, it's so much that Coach Ray could do. Um, and just the, the amount of leadership that he was able to pull from his position, which was the head coach, I would say he done a, he did a hell of a job of that, especially during that losing streak. Even when it was, like I said, when we were winning, you know, he never changed. Um, you, know, you know, just the faith that we were still able to win in one game just to get to the playoff. I felt, I felt like he was very confident that we could uh, get the job done. And um, like I said, I'm a firm believer that leadership is from within. So I feel like it was our job to keep the team together in the locker room because very but not in the locker room. And, um, you know, he done he did his part um, last year to me. You know, um, it just, like I said, it's just a lot of stuff other than that just breaking down. And uh, we like I said, we had a lot of injuries or whatever it may be. And um, just after, like I said, when the fact with the foundation of our team is starting now, I think that's that's the, kind of the thing we're missing just a little bit, just the, the um, that foundation piece of it. Hmm. Jeffrey Simmons joining us. Let me ask you one thing about the negotiation. It's like it's such a great deal, and it comes at such a great time. I'm curious. At one point during the process, you did scrub your social media. Was it because you were not necessarily happy with the negotiations at that point, or did you do it for another reason? My whole reason for it was not just uh, I wasn't happy, you know, because I I even told my team, uh, which my agent and, you know, uh, me and my uncle, Jason Hatcher, who actually played in the league for 10 years, we started our own thing called Walking Business. And and I told them I didn't want to be in the middle of it. Even though I am in the middle of it because I'm the person who they negotiate for, but I told them like I just want to focus on getting myself healthy and training. And um, you know, especially on social media, you got you get a lot of fans and get into it. You know, they start tagging you in this, they start posting this, then you get DMs, whatever it may be. 
And I think that's what my whole point of, you know, especially once the news broke out that I was in uh, negotiation, my whole point was, I don't want to see it. I don't want everyone DMing me. I don't want, you know, all the outside noise. I just want to focus on rehab and I want to focus on training. And that's kind of was the reason why, you know, I even, did, I was, it, it was Italian stuff. And I, a lot of people, some people saw it last year. I literally do it every offseason. Uh, I did it last offseason. I did it this offseason. But it got to a point where I literally just deactivated the whole Twitter and um, Instagram just for that minute, um, you know, till I knew, all right, we're getting a little closer in the deal when my agent came back to me. And that's kind of when I kind of um, you know, reactivated my pages. So it wasn't no hard feelings against the Titans. I, I wasn't never upset in, in this deal because, you know, uh, Rand and my team, from what I know for a fact that it was always good. It wasn't never nothing that um, bad on neither part of the side. So I was never, it wasn't nothing, never um, a, a shot at the Titans for sure. Oh, I get it. So leave me with this thought. Like, I wonder what that was like. Like, social media in some ways. It's so toxic, man. It's like the worst thing. In some ways, it's really a good thing, right? It can be a really good thing for building brand, and it can be a really good thing for bringing people together, or it can rip people apart. But I'm really curious, when you put your phone down and you didn't go to social media, you didn't check social media, people couldn't get at you, was it hard at first or was it immediately awesome and invigorating? Like, what was that like? I'm, I'm a, uh, Honestly, at first, you know, it, it was one of them things like, all right, now I can't really – now I'm, I'm not seeing what everyone's saying. But at the same time, you know, just to, it's like a cleanse. It's like, you know, when you stop eating something for a while, you feel good about it. I felt good not to be able to, you know, just check Instagram all the time or or get on Twitter to see all these different reports. I, I felt – personally, I felt real good to be able to not check social media because sometimes, you know, you, first thing we do when we wake up in the morning, check um, social media. Uh, we don't get up and pray. We don't do nothing. The first thing we do is check social media. So I felt good just to be able to not depend on social media when I, especially when you first wake up or throughout the day, you just want to see what's typing your name. I had that big, especially when I when first news came out. I had it big. I mean, type in my name on Twitter and you see what people are talking about. And um, I think that's why I felt good about not having myself worrying about what the outside noise was talking about. Preach. I love that. It's like a cleanse. Jeffrey, you know, to your point, everybody's got a morning routine. It's a really important thing. I believe in this deeply. And, you know, my morning routine is different than others, but maybe part of your morning routine is you wake up, you pray, you wake up, you meditate, you wake up, you work out. What you probably don't want to include in your morning routine is reaching for your phone and reading that you suck. That probably is not a good way to start your day, right? Uh, no doubt at all. That's that's why I don't check my phone after the game, especially a, a game that I know I didn't play my best. I'm going to leave that alone until the next Sunday. I think that's a good move. He was an all-pro and a pro bowler each of the last two years, got himself a very nice contract. He is a member of the Titans. Jeffrey Simmons, my guest. Jeffrey, congratulations. Great to have you on the show. Really good to talk to you, and I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes, sir. Nice job. Well done. Really appreciate that. Appreciate the Zoom call. Appreciate his thoughts. And great to run him down. Jeffrey Simmons. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. 
And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. So, Mafia, speaking of the Mafia, speaking of Buffalo, it has been a minute, so I got a shout for you. Although the aforementioned did come in here, Rick in Buffalo, the R.I.B., and even though Caleb was not accepting it, and Caleb made a pretty good argument that it's not smack-off season until Caleb says so, Rick actually came in first and dropped it on us on Friday because he kind of has become the acknowledged guy who kicks off the start of the season. Everyone knows it isn't smack-off season till Rick and Everyone except Caleb. It's smack-off season. So let's go ahead and make it official. It's smack-off season. Now come get some, you little bitches. All right, so whether it's smack-off season when he says so, or it's smack-off season when Caleb says so, or it's smack-off season when I say so, whoever you want to give the credit to, it is smack-off season. And again, we have a date, June 30th. Smack-off 29 is on June 30th. Write that down. Make your plans, plan your calls, plan how you're going to listen to it and or watch it. Are you going to have a watch party? If you're an establishment that's going to have a watch party, let me know if we can confirm it and document it. We will help promote it. But there's your day. Now, I'm not shouting out the mafia because of Rick or the Smack Off. I'm shouting out the mafia because the Bills are back in town for OTAs, organized team activities, which means Josh Allen hit a podium yesterday. And if what that dude said yesterday did not pump up Bill's fan to the point of wanting to go all Kool-Aid man and burst through the nearest wall, then Bill's fan is not truly mafia because it's impossible not to love what Josh had to say. And believe me, I understand there have been some tough times. Even though there have been some good times, there have been some tough times for the Mafia. Like, I understand if Mafia enthusiasm is not at an all-time high. Because that was an extremely disappointing end to a season that followed one of the most extremely disappointing ends to a season ever. Back-to-back, right? So there's been a lot of great Bills football the past two years, but just as much heartache. I understand all of that. But again, Josh showing up like he did yesterday has got to get everybody feeling a certain kind of way. If you're a Bills fan and you heard what he had to say, he started by saying that the number one thing that every fan base always wants to hear from their quarterback is, I am all in, and I mean all in and ready to roll. I think at this point in my life, I've never been as focused or locked in in, you know, in football uh, than I am right now, so I'm looking to... I'm very excited and looking forward to, you know, getting here with the guys and building that team camaraderie and, you know, having guys over and, um, again, just doing doing that piece of it because I think that's such a huge piece of it when you're able to trust teammates inside and outside the facility. And, again, we're in, we're in Buffalo, so there's not a whole lot to do here um, in terms of outside recreation and, and stuff like that. So having, again, guys over to my spot, you know, break, you know breaking bread together and, and having a good time, and again, just getting to know each other on a deeper level, I think that pays dividends in the season. All right, so we're not talking about a guy who just got to a new place, who's getting to know his new teammates. We're talking about a guy who's been there and can't quite get over the hump. And it's not all on him. I mean, collectively, they can't quite get over the hump. So you love to hear that from that guy. Quote, I've never been as focused or locked into football than I am right now. That right there is everything you want to hear, Mafia. 
because he knows what they're doing is not enough. He knows what they're doing is not enough for them to level up and get over the hump. That's what you want to hear from your quarterback. That's pretty much the exact opposite of 90% of me is leaning retirement. That's a dude turning all the frustration and heartbreak of the past two years into premium fuel, clean burning rocket fuel, at least from the sounds of it. And from the sounds of it, he's not just focused. He's not just locked. He's focused and he's locked. And it sounds like he's learned from the past. It sounds like he knows that what he's doing might not be the best way. It sounds like he knows that he has to protect himself and his body and, just as importantly, the football itself. As much as we all love watching this guy ball out, take on defenders, and get all playground with it, we also know that he does take some crazy risks with his body and sometimes some crazy risks with the football. Crazy risks that have not translated to winning the big one. Credit to Josh Allen, though, because he knows it. it sounds crazy, but I'm getting older. You know, it's like I can't, I can't continue to do this. I know when I'm using my youth, I, I feel like I can. Um, but over the course of my career, I'm going to have to learn to adapt and change. And, you know, I've always had the mindset of, of I've been a football player first and a quarterback second. And at some point, that's going to have to switch. Um, when that point is, I don't know. I guess I'll let my, my body tell me. But um, I do want to be, like I said, I want to be the smartest quarterback with the football in my hands. I don't want to put the ball in harm's way. Um, because I know how detrimental that is for our team um, with, with those interceptions and, and the fumbles. So, again, just finding ways to work on that. Smart. I mean, I love that. Of course, I need to see it. I mean, I already love the guy. love his game. love everything about him, but I love hearing that. Like, he's already one of the most physically dominant players that we've ever seen, especially at that position. But he wants to start to win with his brain. The guy's run for over 3,000 yards and 38 TDs in his first five years. But instead of letting that go to his head and say, hey, listen, what I'm doing is working. I know what the hell I'm doing. I'm unstoppable. He's not saying that. He understands that it's going to put him on borrowed time. He knows that. He understands that he can't always play that way. He understands that he has to take care of the ball. He has to make adjustments. He understands that leading the league in turnovers is not the way to a Lombardi. Again, I know it's only talk. I know it's only April. I know it's only OTAs. I know all that. But again, if you're a Bills fan, that's exactly what you want to hear and exactly what you want to see from your franchise quarterback. Maybe it's just talk. Maybe once they get into it, he reverts back to what he's always done. Because frankly, what he's always done has been pretty effective. Or maybe he knows. It's everything that Bill's fan should want to be seeing and hearing during the offseason because as great as they've been, they have not gotten over the hump. However, at least that and their offseason is not like what we're seeing from the Broncos and their QB1, and their offseason. At least Josh Allen isn't rolling golf carts like Russet. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. 
Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Let's go to Ron in Montana. It's good to have you, Ron. How are you? Hey, Jim. How are you doing? Um, First-time caller. Hell of a long-time listener, Jim. Jim, in my analysis of the situation, um, I'm not calling you Warrior Jim even though I'm a Golden State fan. But you got it right. When we talk about two men playing basketball, a physical sport, and you're talking about a 240-pounder green, maybe a 250, 60-pounder Sabonis, and um, you're trying to run down the basketball court to play the game, and a man grabs your leg and tries to hold on to it, what are you supposed to do? Say, oh, sir, could you please let go of my leg? Excuse me, Jim, I'm an OG, 68 years old, and if I would have been Draymond, um, I'm telling you, I might have punched Sabonis or maybe put my foot through his chest. Now, I hear you, Ron. I'm I appreciate out, it. Jim. Thank you very much, Ron. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? Caleb in Green Bay, the reigning king of smack. Caleb, what's going on? Wisco Jim, what is up? It is a beautiful, rainy April day. I'm fired up to be back. I thought it was very fitting, at least from my perspective, that you announced a smack-off on the last day of tax season. So if anyone from the government is listening, I just want to send out a long, thick middle finger to Uncle Sam for taking that big, juicy bite out of my backside when I declared my smack-off winning. Holy crap. Jim, if you wouldn't mind increasing the cash prize this year to $6,315.11, that would be terrific. Thanks. I debated whether or not people would care about my Aaron Rodgers position, but I don't really have one anyway. The Packers offseason program started a couple days ago. Most of our important players are here. Our QB1 is here. Aaron Rodgers is down in Bolivia eating peyote out the open mouth of an alpaca or something. God bless him. I wish him well. Thank you for 18 years, four MVPs, a Super Bowl, countless happy Sundays. There's the door. And, Jim, I heard Rick in Buffalo on Friday. I got to hand it to him. I have never laughed harder at one of his phone calls before. Not because it was funny or anything, but because this guy thinks that smack-off season doesn't start until he gives the okay. Not Bradley or Leff or Sean or Victor or Michael or even, I don't know, the reigning champion. But Rick, cool dude. In completely unrelated news, the NFL schedule was leaked briefly last night. I don't know if you saw it, Jim. It was taken down pretty quickly. Week one, 
2023 kickoff, Thursday night football. You ready for this? Bears at Texans. Should be a barn burner. Looking forward to it. Hey, Rick, you are the shamanad of the jungle. Yes, you tip off the season every year. But who gives a crap? Ralph Sampson ain't walking through that door. Hell, Ralph Cramden could walk through that door. I'm not sure it would make a difference. Ralph Lauren is about to go down the elevator and jump in this thing. Jim Rome could Ralph on his microphone right now, and that pile of puke would finish ahead of you on the big day. Okay, dude? You're like me at a Chinese buffet. You're getting a little too big for your britches. Jim, it's great to be back. I don't know how many titles I need to win before I feel like I belong here, but let's not leave any doubt and go back-to-back just in case, shall we? I hope you're well. I hope Janet's well. I hope your boys Jake and Byung-Hyun Kim are well. Hey, Richard, you walking, talking hemorrhoid. Now it's smack-off season. Jim, start reaching for that switch on your left because I'm about to say on Wisconsin. My man, that a boy, Caleb. Kevin Hart is my guest. Kevin, what's going on? How are you? What's going on with you, man? Dude, I knew we could do it. I knew if we stayed after this, we could execute this. What's going on with you? How are you feeling? Oh, I feel good. Uh, excited to be here. I wish I could be there live with you. Um, but through the technology that's available today, the Zooms will work. And I feel like we will have an amazing conversation regardless. Oh, I know it. I know it's going to happen. I wish you were here too, but this is good. I'm going to take this. Why don't we start first with some Philadelphia sports? I mean, Philly looks like, I mean, the entire city's in a great spot. When you look at it, the Phillies make the World Series, Kevin. You've got the Eagles who played in the Super Bowl. As somebody who was raised, and you got the Sixers who are going to make a deep run, it looks like. As somebody who was raised in Philly, has there ever been a better time to be a Philly fan than right now? Absolutely not. You know what? You know what? Let's 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 rephrase that. There's been amazing times to be a Philly fan. Um, the synergy and alignment through all of our franchises has never presented itself to be what it is now, which makes this an amazing opportunity, uh, an amazing time to be alive, to be a fan, to be present. Right. Um, but I was also present for the Randall Cunningham era, the Allen Iverson era. I mean, I've I've, I've seen a lot of amazing things um, that our city has had. The Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens era, you know, um, I was there, you know, Deuce Daly, um, the Deuce Daly highlight era. There's so much. I can say that now, um, seeing seeing what we've done, seeing the the world of opportunity for our future, like I think that you're looking at uh a multiple championship city now that that really is like on the on the horizon, right? And that's in football, basketball, and baseball. And hockey isn't to be left out the conversation because, you know, we always figure out a way to get it done and inch our way into the stages of 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 a real competitive grab. Um, but right now, you know, within basketball season, the Sixers, like you said, making a competitive run is one thing. I think a championship run is another. Like we're we're really like looking at the big game. And the finals, nothing else is acceptable for this team. I mean, this is why we brought James Harden here. And James Harden is the player that we wanted him to be. Joel Embiid has really stepped up and is playing magnificent basketball. I think he's this season's MVP. Um, Tobias Harris, uh, Maxi, to name more. like and, and a slew of other role players that are stepping up and playing a game at a very high level. I think this is a year for Doc Rivers to do uh, what Doc of old did, which is grab a championship. I'm excited. 
Kevin Hart joining us, breaking it all down. All right, Kevin, speaking of basketball, I got a couple of thoughts for you. Hey, weigh in on the topic of the day, if you don't mind, Kevin, the stomp. We've been going back and forth on this all day long. Where do you come out on this? I mean, you see Draymond Green stomps a bonus. Is it, does the punishment fit the crime? He got suspended for a game. It's a really important game. Do you think that punishment fit the crime, or is it excessive and over the top? I think it's excessive and over the top, right? Like, at the end of the day, basketball is built off of the storylines of good guys and bad guys without good guys. Well, you basically have nobody to root for without bad guys. You have nobody to root against. They need each other. That's great. Um, That's great. Basically ammunition to fuel the idea of, engagement of people tuning in at the end of the day it's playoff basketball those are two big men out of getting physical and and uh uh Sabonis' takedown holding him Draymond's thing was all right well I'm gonna give you this boot is that correct no it's wrong it definitely should be a flagrant there definitely should be attention drawn to it and it's not sporting like conduct but we got to get back to the game that was plays of the old where the players got physical during this time of year and that's what made the game great that's what made us love the game, love the players, and the idea of anything to get to the championship, throw your body in the way, sacrifice yourself, do the things, the good and the bad, um, to, to basically get your team to the next level. That's what playoff basketball is about. That's the energy that I want to see. Um, suspending him and penalizing him like that at this point in the season, I think it's excessive. Find him, hit him in the pockets, um, and and have him pay a fine, but making him miss the game, you're punishing the fans as well. Um, I don't think that was necessary. You and I are on the same page. Kevin Hart joining us. Speaking of the game, Kevin, you're a four-time MVP of the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game. I'm curious how you approach those games. Are you looking to bust somebody's ass, or are you looking to have a little bit of fun and get out and have a nice run? You know, in the beginning... It was about having a good time, right? I want to get out there and I want to I want to make sure that I entertain. I want to make sure I provide some laughter and also put some good competitive nature out there for people to be able to look at. But then after that, I got really good. And as you as you achieve the goal of winning MVP, well, you get thirsty. You get thirsty for more. I want to taste that again. I need more. So I went and got a second one. And then after that, you know what I did? I started training because I wanted a third. After getting the third, well, then I became a GOAT, and I got a fourth. By the way, it's never been done in celebrity game history. This is – I am in the Hall of Fame of the celebrity game. There's only one person there, and that's me. Uh, and I sit in a category of my own by myself because nobody else has been able to duplicate what I've done over the years. Um, you know, listen, I thought that a 10-day contract – would come out of this. There were conversations and murmurs. Um, some didn't align with my schedule, which is why I never took it. But, you know, um, the sky's still a limit. I may do it. I may not. The real question is, do I revive the celebrity game and give it a nice, give it a nice breath of fresh air, right? Because it needs that thing back. It's missing that thing. And since since my departure, I haven't seen the thing. And the fans deserve it. They need it. More importantly, the players, the people playing the game, they need the thing that that represents itself as a thing so they can then be the thing. The game is missing the thing. I was the thing. 
Dude, you were the game. Not one, not two, not three. Four. Four MVPs. You four. were the thing. You were the game. Kevin Hart is joining us. He is joining us courtesy of DraftKings. I love everything I'm hearing. Listen, I want to ask you something. Like, you're a comedian, and you say and do really funny things, but I don't think you were being funny, Kevin, when you wrote this down as part of your Twitter bio. Let me read this quote. My name is Kevin Hart, and I work hard. That pretty much sums me up. Everybody wants to be famous, but nobody wants to do the work. End of quote. I love that, dude. I love that so much. How much of your success do you think is attributed directly to God-given talent? And then how much of it is just due to you deciding, I will be the hardest worker in the room? Um, you know, I'm very thankful for the talent that I have. Uh, you definitely need um, somewhat of... I guess you could say the thing that can be called talent. It. But if you mirror and or match that with the idea of hard work um, and the idea of go get, well, then you're you're talking about becoming a weapon, right? Um, I know that I'm willing to go a thousand hours. I'm willing to go, um, you know, 48 hours. I'm willing to to go above and beyond to get to that ultimate place of personal success. And the reason why I highlight the word personal, because it's not about the expectations of others. It's the expectations of myself. It's the things that I've set as goals, the things that I want to do, the things that I see in my future, the things that I've basically married myself to act and, and, and basically, um, go on behalf of like there's, there's, a real plan and a real agenda. So in order to execute my plan in full and and check everything that I want to do off the box, it's going to require a lot of hard work before the timeline um, extends or, or not extends, um, expires. Because we all have a timeline. We all have um, uh, an opportunity and a window. It's what you do in yours. Right now, my window is very much still open. And before that window closes, I want to be able to put an amazing resume together with a very diverse portfolio of things that represent my mind, body, uh, talent, um, more importantly, will. It's earned. It's not given. You're putting it in. Listen, Kevin, really quickly, before I ask you about DraftKings, and I'll cut you loose, and I so appreciate your time. Listen, I need an update, because the last time you and I were together, we have the same timepiece. People aren't going to like that, but I'm just going to say it because watch guys stick together. I need an update. Are you still rocking the sky dweller or is that ticker in the drawer now? Uh, well, you know what? A, a ticker in a drawer is a good place for a ticker to be. Um, you know, if you are a watch enthusiast of some sort, you know, you understand the importance of not just time, but um, the value that things can obtain over the course of time. So putting a watch on ice and letting it sit for some time and bringing it out on later dates where it's forgotten, that's a big deal, right? Um, I'm playing in the space of vintage. Uh, I'm playing in the space of um, lesser, lesser than uh, more collectible pieces. Uh, I've gotten a little more artsy within my crafts with the things that I'm looking for. Uh, I've also aligned myself um, with a great partnership with AP, Aldemar Piguet, mm, and uh, together, you know, 
highlighted some really, really amazing pieces and um, are lined up to do more in the future. So, um, you know, it's all about the perpetual calendars, the minute repeaters, um, the space and place of vintage. It's um, it's just a different appetite and different eyesight. But there's nothing wrong with a, squat, a sky dweller uh, in any way, shape or form. A magnificent watch it was and still is. So that watch being up doesn't mean it's forgotten. It just means it's on ice for a second. I get it. Let it, I let see it. have some. My bad. I'm sorry to interrupt you, dude. I, I see you working. I know exactly what you're saying. I get that. Listen, the reason I jumped in, sorry about that, my guy. I want to make sure we talk DraftKings, and you're part of their daily no-sweat, same-game parlay program. Lay it out for me, Kevin. What are the details with that? Mm. Well, I think you just broke it down through definition, right? Like what DraftKings does is present great opportunities to bet, great opportunities to sweat. Ultimately, let's just embrace what the world of betting is. It's fun. It should never be something that's stress-related. It should always be fun. But the sweat and a nice little heartbeat every once in a while when it presents itself is something that we all live for and that we feed off of, which is why highlighting a parlay in any way, shape, or form is something that a brand is going to see an amazing result and return from. Um, the, the opportunity to pit and put and, and package and hopefully watch that package package um, manifest into the thing that you see it being is attached to a great financial return for a low risk with a high reward. This is what DraftKings does, right? Positioning their customers in places where they can win big by getting in small. Um, and those numbers vary, right? You can get with you want and it's all about your appetite what i love is that they're really making the customer understand that it's it's inclusive for all and it's not something that should just be looked at as for some right it's 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 a mindset and uh a level of embracing with a fun factor attached to it if you approach it and understand that then you'll have that the serious side of it i think is where the confusion and complexity comes in um i love that i'm a representation of fun and my attachment for the brand is just that that's what i am that's what i've been and that's why we make sense yeah that's who you are dude that's your wow. brand and i'll send you off with this how about this? Your Sixers plus 800 to win it all in DK on DraftKings. I like that number. Kevin Hart joining us, courtesy of DraftKings. He's got a million things going on. Dude, I appreciate you so much, Kevin. Thanks for making that happen. It was well worth the wait, and you were right. We did have a great conversation. Appreciate you, man, so much. I appreciate you even more forever a fan. Uh, as we talk about hard work, yours should not be overlooked. Uh, you are a representation of just that. You've been doing it at a high level for some time now, man. And it's always a pleasure. Uh, I love the fact that this platform is always available for any conversation um, that we can have or that we want to have. Um, dude, it's 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 something that I embrace. Humbled by it every single time. Thank Kevin, you. It means the world to me, Kevin. Thank you so much. Appreciate you so much. Kevin Hart, what an amazing thing to say. Good night, night.